The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value, and so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm delighted to be back with you again for yet another show. And I'd like to say a big thank you to my guests last week who were Chris Bezik and Joe Geraghty. We talked about creating innovative cultures. So if you're if you're an organization that uh, wants to become more innovative and wants to uh, develop their culture in that way, then do listen to that recording because uh, I'm sure you'll find it extremely valuable. Now, uh, in today's show, we're going to talk about FAST. We're going to talk about business success principles um, that really enable you to uh, achieve uh, much, much more with your business with Gordon Treadgold. Um, during today's show, we will be talking about this revolutionary approach to leadership that really simplifies what we need to do to be successful. And when I hear the words fast and I heard the words simple, my ears prick up, which is why they pricked up when I heard about Gordon's book. This approach was created by my guest Gordon Treadgold and has been used to turn around many failing projects and underperforming departments, money-losing companies, and has been used to help leaders to accelerate growth and their profitability. Now, Gordon has worked with companies all over the world, uh, leading them to uh, some exceptional results. And he says that they've created stronger, more efficient teams, raised up leaders, and ultimately delivered a positive impact, as we said, to the bottom line. He focuses on turnaround, operational excellence, transformational change, and strategic implementation. He's passionate about identifying simple methodologies that are able to quickly be implemented and generate immediate benefits for people and companies. This includes getting fast results. And his book, um, Fast, uh, Four Principles Every Business Needs to Achieve Success and Drive Results, really outlined that. And he's got nearly 30 years of expertise. He's uh, worked on three continents, led global teams and careers with billion-dollar companies. And they've won him really uh, some very uh, wide accolades he had this, this distinguished honor of being recognized as the number one leadership expert on Twitter, which I think is really impressive. And he's been heralded in Inc. Magazine as one of the top 100 leadership and management experts and speakers, the number two on the top 15 must-read leadership blogs, and number four on the top 50 most socially shared leadership blogs. So let's get on and let's talk about achieving some results and fast. So a big welcome to my guest today, Gordon Treadgold. Hi, Chris, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. You're very welcome. Now, for anybody listening, uh, you might recognize that uh, Gordon doesn't have an American accent. Uh, he's, uh, he's a boy who was, that was brought up on Leeds, which is near where I was born, um, who also lived in Leicester, England, which is where I now live. But somehow, he's managed to go on to live in beautiful Florida today. So I wonder, Gordon, how did you manage to do that? <laughs> 
Well, working for yourself gives you an opportunity to uh, pick where you want to live. And having worked for corporate for 30 years and decided to go into coaching and speaking, we, uh, we had the option to either move back to the UK uh, or move to Florida. And I, I, I discussed it with my wife, and it was December. And I think there was three inches of snow in London at that time, and it was 80 degrees, or I think that's about 25 degrees uh, centigrade in Florida. My wife said, let's go to Florida. So it's just that function of, being, of working for yourself, really. Excellent. And, and combined with the weather. <laughs> Com- yeah, combined with the weather. <laughs> <laughs> I lived in the cold and wet for too long. I, the only time I like cold and wet is if I'm playing rugby because I'm I'm not a I'm not a, the most skillful of player. So anything that brings the the talented players closer to my level, I love. But other than that, I like nice warm weather. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> I did I did I didn't tell you this, Gordon, but I did actually meet some of the Australian rugby team last week, which was. Uh, which is quite interesting. Um, I asked um, I asked them if they were feeling lucky, and one of the players said to me, uh, "We don't need luck." Uh, <laughs> I said, "I guess we make all our own. We make our own luck, don't we?" And he said, uh, "Yes, we do." Uh, <laughs> but they were they were in Cardiff. I guess it was probably a bit chilly for them. Uh, abs- absolutely. <laughs> so, so what inspired you in your life to, you know, go into the business world and uh, and, and eventually end up being a, an author and a speaker? Was there something early in your life in Leeds that inspired that yeah i i think so yeah when i was about 10 years old you know i'm a i'm a big rugby fan i used to, i started playing rugby when i was nine or ten and one of the things that really inspired me was we uh, we played in a uh, i played in a rugby rugby team for the school and at the end of the season we we'd won about as many games as, as we'd lost and i don't think we'd beaten any team that finished in the league above us and we had a cup competition and we managed to only play those teams that we'd previously beaten, and we got through to the final. Uh, and in the final, we played the team that had won the league, undefeated, home and away. And, and you would think at that point, we had no chance to win. But our, our coach, you know, we were 10 years old, and, and we believed him when he told us this. He told us, you know, this is the cup, this is not the league. We're unbeaten as a cup team. And they're not going to expect us to play the way we're going to play. And we're going to come up with a specific plan that's going to play to our strengths, negate their strengths, and you know, we're going to beat them. And as 10-year-old boys, we bought into that, and we ended up beating them. And, and what that showed me was that if, you, if you've got the right plan and the right belief, an average team can actually beat a good team that's not as well prepared. And, and that kind of stuck with me. So I was always wanting to try and help teams be, you know, be better than the sum of the parts, if, as it were. That's, uh, that's really, really inspiring, isn't it? And yeah. Yeah, we could, we could do with you coming to talk to my team, Leicester City, after they've just got their first drubbing of the season, <laughs> losing 5-2 at the weekend. <laughs> they're, they're, but they're playing well, Leicester. You know, they're playing with belief. Belief is an incredibly powerful uh, tool. The, if we believe we're going to fail, then we'll fail. If we believe we're going to succeed, that's going to help us you know, work hard and go the extra mile. And one of the things that I like about fast is that fast actually helps with that belief. And what, so where did this idea come from? So uh, fast, what, and what is it, what's it about? So fast 
came from, uh, I was going to do a talk at uh, Staffordshire University and um, the three key principles that I'd been focusing on to that point were simplicity, transparency and focus. I love to keep things simple and I'm a big fan of transparency about understanding what our performance is and then focusing on the outcome that we're looking for. And I, and I got a speaking coach, uh, somebody that you know, Nigel Risner, mm-hmm. and he said to me, what about accountability? And I said, well, yeah, it goes without saying. And Nigel said, but if you include accountability, then you've got fast. And I looked at it and I thought, my God, yeah, that's the missing component that I've been looking for to try and pull this together. And I went back and you know, I'd identified simplicity and transparency and focus as being key ingredients that I'd implemented. But when I, when I added fast into the mix, it allowed me to see that process that I'd been using subconsciously throughout my career and to articulate it so that I could share it with others and then have them be more successful. And just to share a little bit, we'll come back to <clears throat> fast in a minute, but just share a little bit about you know one or two of the sort of companies and things that you used to work work for because uh, I'm not sure in the introduction I really <laughs> fully kind of articulate that but you've you have you've worked on a number of different continents and and you know delivered some very big things haven't you in your career? Yeah, I've worked for I worked for DHL who have five hundred and fifty thousand staff. I think there's only Walmart and the Chinese Army that have got uh, <laughs> more, more employees than, uh, than DHR. And I, worked, I, I actually uh, worked for them in Prague, spent a year in Prague, which is beautiful, mm. running a $100 million program to uh, replace their operation system. So everything from uh, pickup and delivery of parcels, billing, customer complaints, you know, everything from A to Z of the parcel business, uh, built a... Uh, and implemented a system for them there, then moved to the U.S. and was part of a big organizational transformation. I worked for Barclays Bank. I've worked for Cable and Wireless. And the last company I worked for, I was based in Germany for six years with Henkel. And and I I suspect not many people will know the name Henkel, but you'll know a lot of their products. They make Schwarzkopf shampoo. They make uh, Dial for Men. They they make Purcell, and uh, they also... They own a Loctite and make Prit. So three big divisions, hair and beauty, laundry, home care, and adhesives. And I worked for them in Germany for six years and did a, a massive transformation project for them where in the IT, we effectively, not wanting to bore people with details of IT, but basically what we did for the organization, we did the equivalent of a heart transplant, a liver transplant, and a lung transplant all at the same time, and then tried to persuade the patient to get up and dance. <laughs> <laughs> I assume that was uh, was not not an approach you would generally recommend. Well, you know, sometimes yeah, it's like pulling a plaster off. You know, it sticks to the hairs. You can pull it off slowly, and <laughs> and, and endure the pain over a long time, or you can just rip it off. Uh, and I think I think it's a question of um, you know, how you want to go. And, and for us to actually do it all in one go, it was probably a little bit over-ambitious, but I think any other solution would have been um, would have been worse. So it was good for us to do all of that in one go. And it allowed us to save $50 million uh, per year for the business. And also we improved performance as we did that. 
So is is fast then? Is is it is it is the is the one of the benefits of fast? Is its speed? Because you use the you so, use so yeah, it, it is one of the benefits because um, what fast will do is it allows you to be more efficient, which means you're gonna you're gonna get a better return on your investment. For the effort you put in, you're going to get more out. But it also it allows you to be more effective. And when people ask me what's the difference between efficiency and effectiveness, I always say if you've got a car that's stuck in the mud with the wheels spinning, then the car's being very efficient. It's getting the power from the engine to the wheels, and they're spinning like crazy, yet the car's not making any forward movement. Once the car's effective then the tyres will get traction and move the car forward. So at any time you increase effectiveness, you actually move, you know, improve your forward motion. So you're actually going to get to the goals quicker. You might not get there as fast as you would like, but you would get there faster than the approach you're currently taking. <clears throat> and so, so sometimes the, the long way around could be the short way around, can't it? Absolutely. The right way around is the fastest way around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <You know? laughs> so, so fast, uh, some of the problems it addresses are things like um, it improves efficiency where there's inefficiency. Yes, it can do, yeah. And, and the, the, the biggest benefit for fast, so simplicity and transparency are what help you uh, increase your efficiency. The simpler it is, the easier it is to do a better job. And the more transparency you've got, the easier it is to see what's the result you're getting. And if you're not getting a good return, you can start to change your approach. Focus and accountability are about effectiveness. So the focus is about knowing what success looks like, what is our goal, what is our objective. And it, it doesn't just work with corporates. I've used it to run a marathon, and I've used it with entrepreneurs. And I was I was doing some work with an entrepreneur a couple of weeks ago, and she asked me, she was running an event where they were doing some training on how to create a property portfolio, and she wanted me to review the agenda with her and go through the structure. And I said to her, so what's the objective? What's your goal? What's, what does success look like? And she said to me, well, success will be if everybody comes out of this event and says, wow, I've learned a lot. And I was like, great, that's fantastic. Very clear. We could now organize your event around that. And she said, cool. And I said, uh, just one question. Are you selling any products at this event? And she went, oh, yeah, there's an upsell. And I said, well, isn't your objective to sell as many of those products as you can? And she said, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, it's not just about teaching them. It's about selling the products. And by knowing that difference, it allows you to make sure that you're including enough seeding and enough information about the products you're going to sell. Because otherwise, you could just leave people leaving, feeling fully trained and understanding what you've taught them, but with no interesting in, in signing up for a new product. So we have to have that picture of success and know what it looks like. I can see that being a really, really helpful formula. It sort of got me thinking there of uh, you know, when I get clients, I, I sometimes work with, I work quite often with very small business owners as well as large companies. And I have had this conversation many times where I've got people to focus on what they want. And 
Uh, and sometimes they may say, oh, you know, it's a small consultancy business. In the first year, we want to turn over £120,000. So, so that's great. That's a, that's, that's a fairly clear objective. But what I'm going to do is, so I'm going to hold you accountable for £12,000 a month. Yeah. And then suddenly it's like, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they, don't to, they don't want to do that. So we'll break that down by the day. <laughs> yeah. And that's where transparency comes in. But you know, a very simple idea with focus is, you know, we both like sport, and Barcelona are the best team in the world. And people say you need to return possession. The team that wins retains possession wins most of the games. That's true. But one hundred percent of the teams who score more goals win the game. So the focus should be scoring goals, not just retaining possession. You need to know. What's going to get you over that finish line and what's going to get you the win? Excellent. So wonderful, wonderful point to uh, go to commercial break now. And after the break, we're going to look at uh, the different components of FAST and how you can uh, start to put some of those into action. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. markets up or down or if you're looking to improve your portfolio our experts are ready to talk to you call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Gordon Treadgold, and we're talking about fast business success principles. Uh, Gordon, let's talk about... um, Fast. Just remind us um, what FAST stands for, and then I'd like to sort of go into each component. So FAST stands for Focus, Accountability, Simplicity, and Transparency. And in my 30 years of experience, what I found is most initiatives are failing because of poor performance in one of those areas. So if we improve in each of those areas, then we'll improve our overall performance. 
that makes makes a lot of sense. I actually like the the simplicity in it as well. So your your third principle, you know, it's re- it's really working with regards well, it, to it. Underpins simplicity underpins everything. Mm. You know, when we're going to talk about focus now, that's usually where people start. But the simpler you keep things, the easier it is to focus on them. Yeah. You can't focus on something complex for a long a period of time. We just don't have the uh, attention span to be able to do that. But how many people try that? I mean, you, you'll know from your corporate career, and I know that from mine, the, the hours people spend in meetings, complex Gantt charts and spreadsheets. And Well, I, I remember when I, uh, I, when I did my degree, I studied mathematics at university, and I remember I was revising for one complex exam, and the only way I could do it was to spend three hours the night before. And I, I remember waking up with my head on page two, of the exercise book about two hours later. So I can tell you, I'm not great at uh, concentrating on complex things. I did the same thing. I tried to learn learn German, and I, I fell asleep and woke up at four <laughs> o'clock with my head on the German book. Uh, so I gave that up. I, I ended that course. I realized I was never probably going to learn language. <laughs> so let's talk about focus then. Um, yeah. How do we ensure that the right things are focused on and kept as priorities? So focus is about the what. What does success look like? What is our objective? And I think what we need to do is we need to be crystal clear about that. Now, as you were saying before, you know, for entrepreneurs, it, you know, they need to know what their financial value that they're aiming for is going to be. Because if you don't know that, then you don't know how many components you need to sell. So if you need to make 120000 and you're selling your units at 100 thousand dollars each then you need to sell a hundred and twenty of them which means you need to be selling room one roughly every two days so the only way you know that this week has been successful or not is whether you sold two to three units and if you don't know what the numbers are then you can think you're doing a great job but actually you're not progressing towards your goal so the, the ways to improve our focus I'm a big uh, fan of you know, keep things simple. So I always tell people, for your business, focus on a maximum of three goals. Just three goals. Because when you do that, you can share that with your team, with your organization, even with your business partners and suppliers, so that everybody understands and that everybody is pulling in the same direction. The last one of the companies I worked for before, my boss told me, these are your six number one priorities, Gordon. Well, that's not going to work because time always comes, you know, becomes a crunch. And when you've got six priorities, which of those six do I focus on? And I've got a five in six chance of getting it wrong. So we need to keep things down to a minimum, ideally three. And when we do that, it allows us to make a lot more progress and be a lot more specific about what we're doing. And, and some people will say that's not possible. But, you know, my last company, Henkel, we had three goals for a 48,000-employee, $20 billion company. And these were 14% profit, 3 to 6% growth, and I think it was 50% earnings from emerging market. And we drove the entire company off those three goals. So those, those are pretty, pretty top-line goals, aren't they? They're not... That were the specific, but they're very yep. all-encompassing. So, could, could well, you not find yourself with underneath that lots of subsets <laughs> of further goals? Which absolutely, you, you've hit the nail on the head. 
every single one of those goals is going to break down into maybe four, five, six um, sub-goals. So if you've got three top-line goals which break into five sub-goals each, now you've got 15 goals, which is a lot of things to focus on. But if you'd gone with five or six top-line goals, now you've got 30, 35 things you're focusing on at the sub-goal level. So we need to bear that in mind that and if you've got a goal of 120,000 in revenue, that that's going to have a lot of different components underneath it. And we, we can control that by making sure that the top-level goals are clear, succinct, and uh, don't get out of hand. So some of that is to really to make sure that everybody has that firmly in their mind Correct. across the organisation. Yeah, I, I did some work with a university, and they had 13 strategy papers, each with a 10-page introduction. I mean, by the time you've read that, the year's going to be half over. And when we did the work, they said, they said to me, well, what would you suggest, one goal? And I said, yeah, why not? And if we did suggest one goal, what would it be? And they said, the one goal would be our university is in the top 50 in the United Kingdom. Mm. So does everybody know what they'd have to do to achieve that? And everybody's like, yeah, of course we would. So we could have actually run that organization with one headline goal, and it would have had sub-goals for the different departments, but everybody now knows how they're contributing to that top-level goal. It's also something that is very engaging, that too, isn't it? So that, that, uh, that one goal is going to be much more engaging probably than the those 13 strategy papers. And it was, it was, it's interesting you say that because we were talking about that and, and, when I, and the, the meeting was quite a, a, a fairly high energy meeting anyway. I was, I was meeting with some pretty engaged people and when I said that, you know, if there was one goal, what would it be? And they said it would be you know, top 50 university. The whole dynamic of the meeting changed. Everybody's eyes lit up, and there was a, a completely different energy because that goal was an aspirational goal. It was exciting, and it was actually something that they wanted to do. And um, as you say, it increases engagement. And once you've got that on your side as well, you've got clarity and engagement. Now you're now you're really rocking and rolling. Yeah, yeah. Green up there. So many people say to me, uh, and I did a survey recently, and this came up very high in the survey, um, that time is a problem for them. And I, and I like, there was a quote in your book from Zig Ziglar, lack of direction, not lack of time is the problem. We all have 24-hour days. Yeah. What should we do when we do feel overwhelmed by too many focuses? <clears throat> so so what, my, my feeling on the overwhelm is it's not that we have too many things to do. It's that we don't know where to start. And that's why we now have too many things to do because, well, which of these 10 tasks do I do first? And we need to, if by understanding what the result we're looking for is, that will help us identify that first task, that first stepping stone. And once we know what it is we're going to do, it's a lot easier to start making progress but when we don't know where we're going and we come to a you know you come to a junction with two options if you don't know where you're going now we're in overwhelm do I go left or do I go right I don't know and it's not that there's a lot of options I just don't know which one is right for me so the whole thing with 
overwhelm is that we need to understand where we need to start. And that is the leader's job to do. Peter Drucker says, managers make sure we do things right. Leaders make sure we do the right things. So it's a leader's job to make sure we have clarity over where we're going, what's important, and what's the first step we should be taking. Very helpful. That one. I should remember that one from Mr. Mr. Drucker. Um, <laughs> so you say in your book that you must align your organisation around the focus. How do you best align people in, for example, you know, highly complex organisation with lots of divisions and different agendas? Clarity and simplicity. Yeah. You know, Henkel, 48,000 staff, the, the three goals were 3 to 5% organic sales growth, 14% EBIT margin, and 50% of revenue from emerging markets. Those goals were communicated to us quarterly by the CEO. Everybody knew what those goals were. And I think the only thing that the, the CEO, Casper Rodstead, said more than um, our goal is 14% EBIT was the targets remain the targets. The targets remain the targets. And, you know, we we... We percolated that through the entire organization. Now, what the CEO can't do is he can't necessarily tell everybody what's their individual contribution to that goal because a lot of the department managers have more detail about how they can contribute and what's the right thing to do. But, you know, we communicated every quarter, these are the targets, and also communicate how we were performing against it. So it's about communication and it's about making sure that they're simple and people can understand them. You know, so for the university, telling everybody in the organization we're going to be in the top 50 universities, everybody understands what that goal was. And I think it's the Times newspaper measures uh, that based on eight different criteria. So everybody could then go and see those eight criteria which is the breakdown of that one goal. And you share that, but you share it simply. Because if you, if you have too many goals, it's impossible to disseminate that information to all levels. As I say at Henkel, you could have gone and asked anybody in the organization, what are our three goals? And every single employee would have been able to tell you. I remember one of my previous show guests, uh, Kevin McGaskell, he was... Uh, he he led uh, BMW in the UK, and he also did similar things for Lamborghini and Porsche, uh, and turned those companies around. And yeah. he asked him, you know, what was the single most important component? And he said it was uh, uh, distilling a very simple strategy into one page that yeah. everybody had in, on, on every office wall that people could really understand and get behind. It, absolutely. I, I did some work with a, a company in Tunisia and they, they said to me, this is the vision for our company. What do you think? And they gave it to me and I said, okay, I'm not going to read it. What I'd like you to do is I'd like you to tell me what your vision is. And they said, um, well, I said, yeah, go on. And they, well, um, it's, um, and I said, you know, if you can't remember your vision, how are you going to communicate it and make sure your entire organization understands this vision? This vision was like 12 lines long. It's far too long. And there's, you can go and Google, um, I can't remember where it is now, it was on like shareware, slideware, visions of companies. And you could go through and you could see two different categories of visions. 
One where it was, uh, you know, we want to be the best in the world at what we do, and others where it was an essay. And you, you, there's just no way to remember those or to be able to communicate it to our teams. And if they don't understand what we're doing, then they're not going to get motivated and move forward to do it. So keep everything as simple as possible, even your focus and your communication. Thanks. Well, let's, let's talk now about one of my favorite topics, even written a book about it, um, well, a key component of the book, and that's a, a for accountability. I mean, what, from your perspective, is the difference between, say, you know, accountability and responsibility, and how do we best hold ourselves and others to account? So accountability in fast. So focus is about the what. Accountability is about the who. Who's going to do the work? Has it been communicated to them? Do they have the tools to be able to do the job? And how are we going to hold them accountable? And for me, the difference between accountability and responsibility, there's a couple of differences. One is you can delegate responsibility. You can give anybody a job, but you can't delegate accountability. If you're the leader, the accountability of the role rests with you. And my best example of the difference between the two is sport. You know, footballers are responsible for passing, tackling, scoring the goals, but it's the manager who is accountable for the results. If the team doesn't win, the manager is the one that's going to carry the, the burden of doing that and could possibly lose his job if, um, if they go on a, a run of 20 defeats. And, and people ask me, well, that's not fair. The manager doesn't step on the field. That's right, but he chooses the players, he prepares the players, he selects the strategy, he selects the tactics, and during the game he has the ability to change players, make substitutions to influence the game. So he is accountable, and the people that are doing the task are responsible. And when it comes to accountability, leadership defines culture. If you want your people to be accountable, there's two things that you have to do. One, you have to give them the tools so they can do the job. If you tell me that I need to cook a Michelin star quality meal this evening for a group of four people, you can't hold me accountable for that because I don't have the skills. I might tell you I'll give it a shot, but I don't have the ability to do that. So personally, I'm not going to accept accountability for that. So we need to make sure that people have the skills to do it. And then secondly... Leadership defines culture. We have to be accountable ourselves. When we make a commitment, we have to make, we have to meet that commitment. We have to model accountability. And in a lot of organizations, leaders don't do that. And they often create a blame culture. And then they wonder why nobody's holding themselves accountable. So it starts with us, and we have to make sure people have the right skills and tools to do the job. And when, we, and when they have that, they will take ownership, and that's when you'll start to see great results. That's when you'll start to see people going the extra mile and uh, working that extra hour to, to be successful. Fantastic. Well, we'll get a commercial break again now, and after the break, we shall move into uh, simplicity and transparency. So do join us again in a couple of minutes.
whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. We're talking about um, Fast with Gordon Treadgold. If you want some more information on the shows that are coming up and uh, my take on some of the shows, do subscribe to uh, the uh, communication that we send out uh, monthly at chriscooper.co.uk. Um, so, Gordon, we were chatting about accountability. I'd like to talk more about that, but we, we're going to move on um, because of time. But let's move on to um, simplicity. I mean, why is this so important? And, you know, what what, what are the the key ways that we can keep things simple so simplicity is massively important it's focus is about the what accountability is about the who simplicity is about the how and the simpler we can explain the how the 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 and show how people how they're going to be successful which is very difficult to do when you make things complicated the simpler we can make it the stronger their belief's going to be and the better the job they're going to do. Because in my experience, people are not afraid of hard work. They're afraid of failure. And if they can't see how they're going to be successful because we've overcomplicated it, that's when people quit. But when they have that belief and they can see how they're going to be successful, that motivates them, inspires them, and then drives them forward. And there's a couple of techniques that you can use one of the things that I'm a big fan of is, you know, we do have this natural tendency to overcomplicate things, especially experts. And if you're dealing with experts, we must insist that they explain things so we can understand it. Albert Einstein, who had an IQ of 160, said, if you can't explain it clearly and simply, then you don't understand it. So if you're experts cannot explain it to you so you can understand it, then they don't understand it. 
And if they don't understand it, there's no way you're going to get simplicity. And, and in fact, there's probably no way they're going to be able to solve a problem or communicate that solution to the team. So we have to look, absolutely keep things simple. And another way to try and keep things simple is if you've got a task or a, uh, something that you need to do, imagine you've only got 25% of the time available to do it. And what are the things, what are the three things that you would do in order to be successful in 25% of the time? And when you do that, you start to eliminate unnecessary tasks which just clog up the process and can make things more complicated because we've got too much going on. So make sure that experts explain things clearly and then think about how you would do it in a quarter of the time to identify the things that are most important and that will help simplify the uh, approach for you. That's a <clears throat> really – I'm kind of thinking now about uh, one or two situations I've been in. And what some market sectors where there are a lot of detailed people who don't necessarily explain things simply. They use all sorts of jargon. Yeah. Um, how, do you, how, do you, how do you help – how do you um, sort of speak to somebody about that, about um, how do you question them in such a way that uh, they don't become frustrated with you? Well, they're becoming frustrated with themselves. That's the first thing to realize uh, and because they can't explain it. And there was a really good film that I enjoyed called Margin Call. I don't know if you've ever saw that. No. Uh, it, was about, it was about the start of the crash and um, Jeremy Irons played the CEO of some financial conglomerate that was on the brink of collapse due to risk. And, and he, he speaks to one of his derivatives experts <clears throat> Who's a, who's a rocket scientist and who's now using his mathematical genius on derivatives, and Jeremy Irons just says to him, explain it to me as if I were a child. Yeah. And, you know, we, if people can't explain it, then they don't understand it, especially, you know, you might not be able to explain quantum mechanics to a child, but to most adults, we should be able to explain what that means if we understand it well enough in simple terms and uh, we just have to be persistent with people and if they start getting agitated we just need to understand that they don't understand it yes I mean that should be a red flag if your experts start saying ah then um, warning Will Robinson this is a this is a danger area <laughs> if they if they fully understood it they would take the joy and pleasure of saying ah let me explain it to you and, and they would do it nice and simply. When they get frustrated, then the, there's... I mean, there could be a time element that they don't have the time to do it, but more often than not, they don't understand it. So we have to be persistent. I suppose there's also a point there that we... You know, there may be some things that we might pretend to be experts in, but we're not really. I should be open about that. I was, uh, I was, I was in a... I went for Britannia Airways in uh, at Luton Airport, and I was working on their crew rostering system, the one that schedules which crew are on which flights. And I had to go to Dallas to look at a new product for them. And uh, it's a very, very complex mathematical uh, calculation that manages all that uh, rostering. And it's all about um, optimization, extremely complex. And the, uh, the gentleman that was speaking, I asked him, could you explain the algorithm to me? 
And we were in a room of about 20, and he just smiled and he looked at me and said, unless you have a degree in mathematics, Mr. Treadgold, there's no way on earth you would understand this. And I said, okay. And he moved on and I said, where are you going? And he said, well, I'm moving on. I went, no, no, I have a degree in mathematics. <laughs> Please feel free to explain it. And the guy went really red. He went, uh, I'm just a salesman. And I was like, yeah. I, even if I had a degree in mathematics, I would have I would have met that same comment because it was clear he didn't know. You know that expression "bullshit baffles brains." Uh, a lot of people try and use that, and we have to really hold people accountable, make them explain it to you. And that's true if you're dealing with lawyers, if you're dealing with doctors, if you've got some procedure, get them to explain it to you so you can understand. Because quite often. If you're in a leadership role, you can be managing very technical teams and they'll come to you and they'll say, oh, by the way, you need to make a decision on this. And they'll, you know, they'll give you some technical thing. You'll say, uh, I'm not sure. Could you explain it? And then when they tell you, oh, what we're going to do is we're going to cut your leg off for no reason, you can say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, no, we're not doing that at all. <laughs> I, need, I need clarity in order to be able to make a decision. So explain it to me clearly. Let's move to T then. So from, from my simplicity, the next key thing is transparency. So what to you is, is something that's very transparent and how do you create, create it? So, so focus is about the what, accountability the who, simplicity the how. Transparency is about the how far. How far do we have to go to be successful? How far have we come? And how much further do we have to go? So one of my favorite tools for transparency is the GPS in your car. Because at any point, it tells you how far you've come. It knows the speed at which you're going. And it knows how much distance is left to go. And it can tell you what's your expected arrival time. So if it was going to be an hour's journey, 20 minutes in, it knows that you're either ahead of schedule and you need to, you can cruise a little bit, or you're 20 minutes behind schedule and you need to accelerate. And this is the kind of transparency that we need to have for businesses. We need to be able to create plans of progress so we can track, you know, as you said right at the start, if you're going to make 120000 in revenue, that's 12000 every single month. And we should have a review meeting to ask you, where are you on that 12000 this month? Transparency allows us to hold people accountable because now we've got a measure of what it is we're looking to achieve on a periodic basis. And transparency is also about using the data to understand a lot of businesses I've been involved in. They know what the price of a good is, but they don't know the profit because they don't have the transparency into cost. Yeah. And if you don't have the transparency into the profit, you could end up selling yourself into bankruptcy. So we need, we need transparency. We need to do due diligence. We need to understand what it's going to take to be successful. And then where are we on that journey? That's uh, very thought-provoking that I've got uh, <laughs> a connection I know who, uh, who somebody who works from them is, with them is very, very frustrated at the minute because what they won't do is, is invest any time in any accountancy support to uh, work out their financial situation every month. And they're, currently, they're just, they're just do doing it based upon when the accountant sits down with them. And as a consequence, they found themselves in a big hole with a cash flow gap about 18 yeah. months ago. But the person who's uh, 
who's tasked with uh, looking at the finances won't allow that transparency. He's not prepared to spend a few hundred pounds a month to have that transparency. Um, and I think I'll, I'll look, I'm going to share the, the idea of the GPS in the car to, to my connection. <laughs> Yeah, good luck in your next job. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. this is my, course it's my wife, and she's a partner in this business. <laughs> well, the the thing is that um, you know one of the things I, I talk about is uh, happy underperformer, and we we tend to be happy underperformers when we don't have that transparency. It's like me now. I'm, I'm I've got my hands on my stomach, and I'm wondering, am I in good shape? Yeah, I feel I feel pretty good. I feel healthy, and. It's not until I get on the scales and see how much I weigh that I realize I'm going to be 10 pounds overweight. So I'm actually happy with how I feel, but that's based on no, no physical measurement or data at all. It's completely subjective. And when you only have subjective assessments, you risk being a happy underperformer. And when you get that objective assessment, you go from being a happy underperformer to an extremely unhappy underperformer. So we need that visibility to make sure that we are we have the truth and honesty about how we're doing. So if it's not going well, we can make changes. And I, I would suggest that uh, that person needs to spend that money on the accountancy. Otherwise, they're going to be spending it on um, closing that business down and getting out of bankruptcy. Certainly, risk of that. Now, I've, I've certainly noticed in my work uh, something that you describe in your book as a. You, know, you talk a little bit about the fine line between secrecy and yeah. over transparency, and, and I just wonder if we could just explore that for a couple of minutes because I've certainly found that when I've worked in as you know senior level in organisations, and I was doing something that's that senior level recently, something that involved you know certain elements of secrecy, really. But we wanted yeah. to be transparent. You know, how do you? Where, where is the line and the balance with that? Well, I, I think we, you know, sometimes companies make decisions which are in the best interest of the company, and and may have a, a detrimental impact on some of the staff. And you know, I was involved in a, a situation where we were looking at downsizing, and we did that assessment every year looking at what we thought our forecast revenues were going to be and our planned headcount and we could have shared we were doing it but you know five out of six years we actually didn't implement anything so to share the information that we were going to do that or that we were looking at it would have caused and created panic so unless you've unless you've got something concrete that you're going to do and unless it's going to help the organization the best thing to do is to keep these things you know, under wraps and, you know, one of the, sometimes rumors get out, but my response to people was always, you know, I, I'll tell you what I can tell you. I can't tell you what I can't tell you. And you know, it, it's, a, it's as simple, it's as simple as that. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it, we just have to be, we, we have to be maybe open with the fact that there are some things that we just can't, aren't ready to share yet. Yeah, and I think as well with transparency, we've got to be doubly careful with uh, with the data and information. A friend of mine uh, ran a half marathon uh, just over a, a week ago and um, suffered from uh, heat exhaustion and you know, went into hospital and did some tests and they had to bring him round. 
And the, the hospital gave him a massive amount of transparency. And one of the things they told him was, there's a lump on your kidney the size of a baseball, and we need to find out what it is. And it turned out to be fluid, and it yeah. was to, it was a result of the testing that they were doing. You know, I don't think that helped his heart rate when they told him that. No. You know, maybe they should have been a little bit more concrete about what they knew, because you just created massive concern for somebody over something which actually, when you waited a day, turned out to be nothing. So, you know, when we're sharing information, we need to understand, is this, is this going to be beneficial and helpful? And if it's not, keep it to ourselves. I remember I went on a diet and my wife bought a, a new set of scales, and, and I got on the scales and I thought, okay... I'm just expecting the number to tell me how many kilos I weigh. And I got on, and it gave me a whole raft of data, told me things like what my percentage body fat was. And you know, I sat down in tears after that. <laughs> <laughs> but all I needed to know was I was 85 kilos, and I needed to get down to 80. I didn't need all this other information. Right. It actually caused more concern and worry. Than, than it actually helped me with. So we just need to be careful that when we get that transparency, and, and especially when we're measuring performance, we need to be careful because you know, quite often I, I've worked in a number of companies where we didn't do any measurement, and as soon as you start measuring, your performance is significantly worse than you hoped it would be. Yeah. But that's okay because we're looking to turn it around. We shouldn't start punishing people at that point. Okay, so we I should stop you there because we're, we're right at the end now. Just, have you got one final message you'd like to leave us with? Um, yeah, of all the things in FAST, the, the number one thing to look at is focus. The, um, if you're aiming at the wrong target, it doesn't matter how much accountability, simplicity or transparency you've got, you're going to fail. So get your focus right and that will point you on the path to success. Fantastic. It's been wonderful talking to you, Gordon. Really enjoyed it. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. And if you've got any questions or feedback on the show, please send them to me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk or get in touch with uh, Gordon Treadgold. You can go to his uh, email, to his website, sorry, www.gordontreadgold.com and uh, you can be able to contact him through that as well. Um, th- so thanks again to Gordon. On next week's show, I'm delighted we've got a very senior person, um, Sue Stevenson from uh, Ritz-Carlton, and we're going to be finding all sorts out about that amazing organisation that's really known for its, uh, its tremendous uh, culture and the way it does things. So I should look forward to speaking to you again next week, but once again, a big thank you to Gordon Treadgold. Thank you. We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.